Welcome to the Pink Isle. My name is Henry Kathman, and joining me is my very good friend, Emma Corey. hey <laughs> For uh, those of you who haven't watched the video re-examining the Barbie movies, we're going to examine some Barbie movies. Yes, because we both maintain in our scholarly academic opinion that the Barbie movies are underappreciated classics. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, like... This is one of the most consistent film franchises to ever grace the direct-to-DVD market. So yeah, it's far, it's like you know, you go you go to a Barbie, you're expecting a Barbie, and you get a Barbie. That's what you're getting. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward in that regard. But they've released to date in the year of our Lord 2019. They've released uh, 37 of these movies to Netflix, to web, to DVD, and. This podcast, in many ways, is like looking to see how these films have evolved since the days of us just watching the early Barbie videos. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, this is going to be as good a place to start with Barbie and the Nutcracker. Released in 2001. Yeah. So this was like start of the millennium bringing it in with Barbie. Here oh, yeah. she is. Yes, indeed. Uh Barbie's first feature movie. They advertised this. Yeah, like, weren't crazy. there like other movies before then? Like maybe cheaper stuff? Or... Yes, but they don't need to know about that. Oh, oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Barbie's first movie. Totally the first movie. And D- it's just ex- it's just two thousand one CGI glory. Mm-hmm. So this would have only been like made like because Toy Toy Story was released in nineteen ninety nine, right? N- ninety five actually. It's, well, never mind. I was going to make a point. But, no. Know. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. In the early 2000s, Mattel uh, wanted to capitalize on the rise of direct-to-DVD releases. Because in the past, if you were wanting to make an animated program, you kind of had to commit to it. Because 2D animation is really expensive, even if you like do it at stuff in the quality of like filmation. But by the 2000s, once... Uh, Toy Story came out and people started accepting CGI as like a like formidable means of animation, it became a lot more cheap as time went on. Instead of having to individually draw the frames, you could just make a singular character and just pose them and have them just do various actions. That sort of paved the way for Mattel to open up their own film subsidiary where they made a bunch of stuff. I mean, Mattel rightly saw this as a pretty good opportunity to start marketing a new line of dolls every year by attaching a movie to it. Yeah. Like, And it was always, like, a good idea because, like, you know, they would have all their companions. And if you watch a lot of these early Barbie movies, Barbie usually has, like, two distinct outfits. Like, mm-hmm. she's got, like, her kind of, like, sort of normal, everyday kind of plainer dress. But then, like, there's going to be some kind of scene where she, like gets magic or doesn't make yeah, and she gets yeah. like some kind of fancy prom dress to mm-hmm. put on that and that's the doll you get to sell you yeah know? well if anything it would give them two dolls to sell because you gotta yeah. get like the regular barbie but then there's also like the super 
uh-huh. like princess. And I remember seeing ones that were like you would like flip it over and you could like change it to like oh, a different Barbie. I remember. Especially those. they they really took that out, especially when they did like <coughs> the mermaid stuff, because mm. like you can have Barbie with the legs, but then oh no, now she's mermaid Barbie. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of fun. Oh yeah, it's. Yeah, that's something that we'll definitely have a lot of discussion for. But but anyway, let's talk about uh, Nutcracker. Yes. Uh, so I got uh, IMDb pulled up right now. I'm ass- I'm assuming as we go on, these pages are going to become a lot less robust. But uh, this first movie is going to be directed by Owen Hurley. Uh, his primary credit. Uh, looking through it. Oh, he did what? do another Barbie movie. Oh, he's done a lot of Barbie movies. Oh. He's also done Rapunzel, Swan Lake. Yeah, Nutcracker, Bar- Rapunzel, and Swan Lake. They're kind of like the Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America of the uh, yeah. Barbie cinematic universe. Yeah, we're, we are definitely going to be going through a bunch of phase one stuff uh-huh. where they uh, try to figure out where they're going to go with a lot of this stuff, but... Yeah, so you got, like, a lot of adaptations early on. Mm-hmm. But also notably, he's known for directing uh, Warhammer 40K, Dawn of War, Dark Crusade, which is... That was, a... like, four things at once. <laughs> you know? I mean, that feels very appropriate for Warhammer. They do love their suffixes and different... Dawn stuff. of the Rise of the Return. <laughs> watch that be an actual Warhammer campaign. <laughs> but he directed that video game. That's his first IMDb credit, which is surprising. Like, really? You don't... It feels like his other works, like the Barbie movies, would be a bit more notorious with him. As well as him serving as a director for Reboot uh, for one episode. One episode. One so episode. maybe that's why. That's... I mean... Yeah, that makes sense. But... Barbie seems like it's the only kind of franchise he sort of stuck with, because these other ones, he just kind of, like, directed a few things in them, you know? Yeah. Because he directed some of Beast Wars, he directed four episodes of that, and then he, everything else is just kind of one-off, but he did four Barbie movies, the most recent one, Barbie and the Pink Shoes, released in 2013. So So maybe that was kind of like a homecoming for him, like, you know, keeping away from the Barbie genre, the Barbie movie genre that he kind of, like helped rein in with those like first three movies that kind of set the foundation and now he's come back so well um, to mr hurley here's to you directing many more beautiful barbie movies to come but uh looking at i don't want to spend a ridiculous amount of time but we have five writers for this movie which we'll see how that ends up translating to the movie but we have linda Engel? I can't read. It's too yeah. far away. Linda Engelispian? I'm I'm very sorry, I'm so Linda. sorry, Linda. Yeah, but... I'm very sorry, Linda. For the actual story, we have Hilary Hinkle, E.T.A. Hoffman, and Rob Hudnut. And... Was it just... Were they all for the story, or is it just uh, Rob? Uh, or, I mean, E.T.A. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, it seems you did, that... like Rob Hudnut did some uh, Hot Wheels stuff. So. Yeah, it seems that most of this stuff is 
stuff for Mattel. So writer for Max Steel, a lot of permutations of yeah, Max Steel. Yeah, he did a lot of executive producing on a lot of those Barbie movies. And something called Mighty Max, so... That sounds familiar. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Look at that 90s cheese. Oh man, he kind of looks like the Burger King kid. He really does. <laughs> All right, well, E.T.A. E. has a very scary oh. IMDb photo. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. E.T.A. Hoffman was the original writer for the Nutcracker story. Oh, Because it was okay. a short story before Tchaikovsky made it. Well, I feel like IMDb should put some disclaimers on here. Yeah. So I guess he, now posthumously, I imagine. Well, I feel like in many ways it is kind of a blessing for him that this is a lot of posthumous credit because... Yeah. Uh, oh man, he probably has his name on the Nuttiest Nutcracker movie. Yeah, because that's the thing. When thinking about the Nutcracker movies... There's really haven't been a lot of good adaptations of them. Most of them have been pretty bad. Well, the thing is, the Nutcracker, there isn't really like a concrete plot for you to build off of it. Yeah. It's a it's a girl goes to a fantasy land and sees some people doing some dances. You pretty can't... much. But it's like one of those things where Hollywood remembers like every like five years that it's in the public domain and that makes everyone want to do an adaptation of it. And plus, Tchaikovsky's mu- music is also in the public domain, so you could also... Uh, yeah, you'll sometimes hear it as like kind of like stock music on like TV shows mm-hmm. and stuff, and it's always kind of like, kind of takes you out of it for It a really second. does, because it, it, it's so synonymous, and it, it is actually like great ballet. Like people, like there's a reason why this is probably the only ballet most people will ever see in their lives because it, yeah. it not only because of the Christmas tradition surrounding it, but also because it actually does have a lot of really good music and dancing choreography behind it. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's kind of the thing, like, you kind of, like, you can, like, take your family to it, and it's not, like, super long, so they're not going to get, like, yeah. too worn down because it's just, like, a kid going to see some things, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's very kind of simplistic, more of like one of those just kind of random series of events plots. Yes. And there's something def- kind of like comforting about that, I think, that kind of draws people in, especially around kind of the holiday season, because it's got all these kind of Christmas Im- imagery going on with it. You got like snowflake dancing ladies, there's a nutcracker. Yeah. There's there's a christmas tree there it's people associate christmas with sugar plums because of this ballet Mm -hmm. yeah which i have never seen like an actual sugar plum in my life yeah i see like like those little like uh those like decoration things that like kind of look like a plum that has sugar on it that you see but i've never seen like anyone be like hey did you ever eat that sugar plum you know yeah is it a candy or is it like just an actual plum thing like I, I, i'm just imagining it was like some like old victorian fellow just like seeped some plums and some sugar water and there was like hey kids this is your candy for the season there you go that does make a lot of sense it, i'm i imagine if anyone actually ate a sugar plum they'll probably be kind of disappointed similar to anyone who read the chronicles of narnia and got really disappointed by turkish delights is that not like the little cube thing that's yeah. kind of like a i've had i had like a rose flavored one one time it was, it, was it tastes like yeah. it kind of tastes like licorice like well it's kind of like if you, had, if you had like a gummy candy but without the gummy texture it just kind of yeah. like sits on your tongue you know yeah and it, and maybe it's just because i ate like really bitter turkish delight but it just mm. is like mm, 
I don't want to mess with it anymore. Okay. Anyway, poor E.T.A. Hoffman. Yeah. This is what your legacy is attached to. A lot of really crappy movies. But it's it's so weird that they're trying to make the Nutcracker thing. Like, most recently with the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Which, that all of ten people went to see. Yeah, thank God. Which, but, that was kind of more falling into the lines of, like, edgy fairy tale movies that kind of, like, went out of style recently. Yeah, you know? but even so, like, whenever anyone makes a, a Nutcracker adaptation, they always try to take it in, like, some really weird directions. Um, like, Have you heard of the, the Nutcracker 3D? What? Sure, if you look up the Nutcracker, you can find it. It, oh, it was Lord. like it's like an infamously bad movie. Oh no! Yeah, it was like oh, it's coming back to me. Oh no! Yeah, and like the villain is like he's got like a rat face, like and it's like yeah. there's like weird Nazi imagery in it. I haven't watched it myself, but I've seen some stuff from it. So yeah, yeah, oh. and that was released in 2015. 2015. Wow. I mean, all of this to say that it's kind of astounding that the Barbie Nutcracker is probably the one adaptation that has really held up in the public yeah, consciousness. Because, like, can anyone really even think any other, like, adaptation except for maybe, like, the segment from Fantasia, the Disney mm-hmm. movie? Yeah. I guess that's as good a place as any to start talking about our impressions of the movie. So the way we're structuring this is we haven't actually sat down to watch the movie yet. We're going to first talk about our vague memories with Barbie and the Nutcracker. And we've both sort of already talked about our background with the Barbie movies in general in the video. So we don't have to get into too much detail. But in terms of stuff I remember with the Nutcracker, I just mostly remember there being very long sequences of just dancing. And you might have to correct me on this, but I think with this one, and I think with the Swan Lake one, a big thing was, like, they actually, like, modeled the dancing off of, like, actual, you know, people dancing. Oh, yeah. Which... Uh, In the filming process, this was actually a pretty early example of using motion capture in film. Mm -hmm. And uh, the nice thing about motion capture is that once you record a set of dances, it like you can kind of save them to a library and apply the dances to a lot of characters. Yeah. It's kind of the reason why the dance party is a really popular thing to do in crappy animated movies because it's... Yeah, because it's, like, it's sort of like an easy thing to do. Like you, yeah. put, you put some people in some dots and then you just like... Yeah, and you, doing. and you can just like have like a large group of people just do a set animation mm-hmm. like just synchronized movement of dancing and it's yeah, really because i remember because i remember the swan lake movie a lot more and that one also just kind of has like a random sequence in the middle where everything stops and everyone's just like dancing you know yeah Dude. uh so i've looked this up now uh in the production of this movie mattel teamed up with the new york city ballet dancers so mm-hmm. uh they had them do some motion capture and they had them do motion capture just an entire like production of the Nutcracker and put in whatever dances worked for them. But as I recall, I remember being really impressed by a lot of the dances. So I don't doubt that there was like some, some genuine craft behind this, but as a kid, I just remember the story being over and just getting really, really bored because they, from my vague memories of this movie, I think it, there's, like, a really long sequence at the end where it's just them, like, essentially doing, you know, what the Nutcracker, the actual show does, where it's just people dancing for a long time. But because it's, like, an animation, it's not, like, 
You're watching like, ooh, look at these people dancing. You're just watching like an animation of uh, mm-hmm. people dancing. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. It's It can get a little cumbersome over time. But mm-hmm. I think all that said, I think it's time we finally actually jump in. Oh, yeah. 27 minutes into recording, let's actually talk about Barbie and the Nutcracker. In 3D, but not. But not actually. But not, no, yeah. <laughs> From her first movie, Barbie and the Nutcracker, it's Sugar Plum Princess Barbie. Lovely golden crown, hair tumbling down, and a sparkling gown. She's Sugar Plum Princess Barbie. And with fairy friends, magic dancing begins. Now rescue the Nutcracker. It's the prince. Together they dance in the land of sweets. Sugar Plum Princess Barbie. Sugar Plum Princess Barbie doll twirls on her dance stand. World of Nutcracker dolls and horse with carriage each sold separately. Hey, welcome back. We just saw a movie. Wasn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, it's it really holds up very well. Like, I'm honestly a little surprised how much it holds up, but let's just go through a beat by beat of this. Mm-hmm. So, first thing I want to talk about is actually the opening credit scene. This is kind of the first thing that really caught my eye. I mean, it's pretty standard to have, like, like when you're adapting a ballet, you would usually use the overture of it to, like, show the initial credits. And they do that, but it, uh, we were both talking about it while we were watching it. It had a very Fantasia feel to it. Well, you got, like, you got two of these, like, child fairies that are kind of introduced, and you got the snow one and the flower one, and they do kind of, like, do things that on screen that kind of represents like what they're introducing like they're like oh this person does choreography they're doing some dancing or like oh this person does music there's like music notes flying around so it's that was a pretty creative credit sequence yeah that granted a lot of the visuals in it are very dated which is going to be a bit of a common theme in this Mm -hmm. movie but there was still a lot of like really expertly crafted moments like the ways that there would be flower petals like falling down in certain moments or the it just had a very beautiful dare i say magical quality to it i mean like and for like a like 2001 animation that wasn't made by like uh you know one of the big animation companies of the time it's definitely a pretty good effort i thought especially over whatever the budget they had for this which probably wasn't too much i'd imagine yeah they uh unfortunately they do not list what the budget for this movie was which i don't doubt why they wouldn't want to because it's like since this is like direct to dvd this isn't exactly stuff that we don't get to really know about as a public which on one hand makes sense because they're more cheaply produced but at the same time with a franchise like this it's I, I do really want to know more about, like, how these things were made, because there seems to be just a lot of, like, genuine artistry and craft yeah. with it. I know you mentioned, like, the way a lot of people looked, it did kind of have that sort of, like, captured motion look, even when it wasn't the ballet mm-hmm. itself. The ballet sequence are definitely, like, the smoothest ones, I yeah. felt, but, it- you know, I guess people kind of, like, they sort of move in that kind of... All sort of Uncanny Valley early video game type look to them. I feel like that is kind of the biggest problem animation-wise, that there there is a slight jitter in terms of the movement of all these scenes, which makes me wonder, like, did they have a majority of, like, all of, like, the actual scenes be done through motion capture? Especially in the early days, that was a fairly expensive process, and I imagine you probably could have saved some if you just had, like, 
uh, certain scenes just like animated by hand. But then again, I'm not an animation expert by any stretch of the imagination, but there could have been some more stuff done. Oh, yeah, and the the only other kind of, like, sort of animation issue is, like, once they get to, like, the fantasy world, they use a lot of, like, painted backgrounds. Yeah. But sometimes, like, the integration between, like, the CGI and the painted stuff didn't really flow together that well. Yeah, which I think that is kind of a testament to probably the low budget that they were, like, forced to work with. Like, I imagine that, uh, like they probably didn't have the computer power to render this entirely grand fairy tale kingdom but i think they st- they still put a a pretty good effort into it i guess my only thing is that they probably should have just made the map paintings a little bit more detailed that way like it could be a lot more difficult to distinguish or at the very least make it so that if you're looking at a map painting at least it looks a lot better but I'm not going to be exactly too harsh on what this film isn't able to do, considering, like, this thing probably has a really low budget, but I don't, I do not think Mattel put a lot of, uh, funding and manpower behind this. Yeah, but I assume it probably made back a lot. Oh, no doubt, according to this, that it sold over 3.4 million units, uh, by 2002, and grossed over $150 million, mm-hmm. which in direct-to-DVD sales, that's astronomical. And, like, the fact that they gave this a limited release in theaters kind of shows how high of a quality they were working with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these things, these early ones, I know that they have it in Rapunzel and they have it in the Swan Lake. It kind of sort of revolves around. You kind of see it, it's like real life and it's like Barbie herself, like as the Barbie, the character, mm-hmm. and her little sister, Kelly, has, like, some kind of issue, and so Barbie takes this time, she's like, it's time to sit down, child, we're gonna, you're gonna sit here for an hour and 20 minutes while I give you this very long story that's only really tangentially related to whatever you're going through right now, but, you know. In, in a sense, it makes sense with the brand. Barbie has always been about, like, imparting messages of empowerment to younger girls, Granted, a lot of their interpretation of empowerment meant a lot of different things to Barbie as time went on. Mm-hmm. And certainly in this era, was it was some pretty generic, like, just be brave yeah, sort of thing. Be, be yourself. There definitely is some kind of, like, weird things going on with the themes here that we can probably get into later. Yes. Anyway, the framing story, uh, it's uh, Barbie and Kelly, and they're like, uh, practicing ballet and yeah. Kelly can't get it right. And so Barbie tells her a story that isn't really related to, well, there are ballet dances in it, but you know. Yeah, she was like, Kelly's afraid that she's going to be uh, freezing up when she performs ballet. And uh, Bar- to which Barbie's like, oh, you need to be brave like Clara, like the character she's from like, The Nutcracker. Who's that? Like, clearly these are two people that are performing the Nutcracker play already, and yeah. I so, think- Yeah, so, like, it... why does she have to tell her the plot to Nutcracker, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's- I feel like maybe- I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to go all cinema sins on this movie, but- No, no, please, please don't. No, I don't. Uh, but something that could have been, like, a little bit more effective is that Instead of them already being in the process of, like, actually performing the Nutcracker, they could have made it so that uh, Barbie's like, 
oh, Kelly, you're such a good dancer. You should try out for the Nutcracker. And Kelly's like, I don't know. What if I'm too scared? And that could be a way for Barbie to tell the story of the Nutcracker. Like, that, like, and you wouldn't even have to get rid of, like, the actual dancing parts of this. It could Mm -hmm. just be, like, we could show scenes of, like, Barbie and Kelly dancing together, even in the dance studio or something like that. Like... Well, the dance studio is probably, like, a lot cheaper to do, though. Yeah, I mean, they could have stayed in the dance studio. It could have just been that, oh, they're both dancers. But, I mean, again, I don't want to be too, like, I don't want to go all cinema sins on this, so... Yeah, let's just uh, go ahead and move on to the actual meat of the story. Yes. So, we get introduced to Barbie as Clara, the main mm-hmm. character, who uh, lives with her, her grandfather, her grandfather. The, I would have said he was the most stereotypical uptight British man I've ever seen you, in a film, you didn't but... You see nothing yet. Oh, yeah, I was definitely proven wrong later on, but the... Uh, yeah, she and her younger brother, Tommy, are... Uh, she and her younger brother Tommy are orphans. They don't go into that at all, but yeah. they're staying with her. Uh, they're they're strict, a very uptight, proper Victorian doesn't grandpa. Doesn't let ever let him do anything. Oh, man. she can't have she can't have silly dreams and fantasies oh. in her head. I know, but then like her cool aunt aunt comes. Her yeah. cool aunt, and she's like. I've been to everywhere. I yeah. I uh, I Her, did this thing. I did that she, thing. She danced with the king. She being, she climbed the Great Wall of China. Her aunt Drosselmeyer. Which I don't know why, because you can like walk on top of that. I don't know why you need to climb it. But. Yeah, I mean, got to get on the wall somehow. <laughs> yeah, but you think that have even back then they would have like way to get up. I'd imagine, but <laughs> but yeah, she they have the eccentric traveling aunt drosselmeyer who Mm -hmm. in the original story was an uncle and that's something you notice in a lot of these barbie movies where they'll take like decidedly father figures uh and often turn them into mother figures yeah it's at least in the early films this is this is most likely done to add this sort of mother-daughter angle to a lot of these films. Yeah, it's like it's like female empowerment because she's kind of like she's what uh, she's what Clara wants to be. Clara wants yeah. to be cool and get to like see all these things. And yeah, and she doesn't things. take any of her grandpa's guff. She, yeah. She's just like oh. Yeah, Cl- Clara is pretty sassy in this. I yeah, yeah that's that when people think Barbie in a movie, a lot of people kind of picture her being like sort of like demure and like silent and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, that perception has been more than like justified by some of Mattel's actions in the past but yeah. in in these movies there's like a very genuine effort to make her an identifiable girl that wants to try and do her own thing yeah. get off her back grandpa <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like they're sort of unclear as to like how old Clara is supposed yeah. to be in this because like in the original she was like a child but in here, they kind of, like, age her up a bit because, like, this one is, like, way more kind of explicit in, like, the sort of romantic actions between Clara and the Nutcracker. Well, you gotta sell Ken doll somehow. Yeah, so. well, that's true. Well, I guess speaking of Ken doll, that's as good as time as any to mention. Her Aunt Drosselmeyer gifts both her and her younger brother Tommy various exotic gifts. Tommy gets 
like soldiers for his toy soldier sets that are like infantrymen from different countries, which yeah, that feels a little uh, nowadays thinking about British imperialism. You know, but, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, but, I didn't think about that, but I should point that out. But, but eh. either way, she gets uh, the thing that most young girls always want—a wooden statue of an old man that cracks nuts. <sighs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's supposedly back then this would be seen as like a luxury item, especially if they're like really nicely painted and stuff like that. So it makes sense, but. Man, it would be a really good movie if she got her like a crappy nutcracker, you know, (laughs) like. Oh yeah, I got it. I got him at the dollar store. Here you go, child. Got it. I got it off a street vendor. Mm -hmm. Told me it was top they say it's a. They say it's a magical nutcracker. <laughs> uh, he can crack so many nuts. You wouldn't believe, Bobby. Oh, Clara, Clara, you wouldn't believe how many nuts they go for. Uh. Oh. This nutcracker's cracked nuts you ain't even seen before. Oh, we need to be careful, or else we're gonna. Enter the explicit tag in iTunes. Yeah, okay, so, <laughs> so let's just, just get back. Okay, she gets the nutcracker, and instantly her like little brother Tommy is like, give it to me. And she's like, no, and, I like just got it. Yeah, it's like, Tommy, you already got the you got the soldiers. Like, Yeah, and later on, when she like asked him, like, did you take my nutcracker? And he's like, no, why would I want that? It's like, it's just a bit of wood. And it's like, Tommy, you were the one that wanted you. You, you started this. Anyway, so they have like a tug of war and Tommy ends up a breaking. breaking yeah, breaking. Which, God, that's got us. Like, your head goes through all this effort only for you to break it. Like, get your act together, Tommy. Yeah, but she, like, she like puts its arm in, like, a sling. And yes. that, like, somehow heals it. Yeah, they, very... well, like, I mean, this kind of shows, like, oh, she, Claire's got, like, this nurturing side. She's going to care for this thing. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And an interesting facet to all these Barbie movies is that even though there's, like, some conflict between family members Mm -hmm. like any conflict that occurs between like people who aren't the antagonist there's conflict but it's never like very hostile and i think this i feel like this is sort of like meant to be like a subtle reinforcement of like hey you might get not get along with your siblings oh maybe one of them hogs the barbie doll but yeah it you shouldn't be mad at them and my little brother beat up my barbie doll yeah i i think it's also meant to just reinforce like how good of a person barbie is she something i don't think people give the barbie movie its credit for is how like they allow barbie to be a lot more emotive than people would give her credit for like she does genuinely feel happiness, sadness, and all that sort of stuff. And she's not, for lack of a better word, just a plastic doll. Yeah. And so just moving on, we go from that and then it's time for the magic, the magic oh, yeah. part to start. So the magic part to start. Yeah, yeah. Barbie goes, goes to bed and her, like, her grandfather and aunt are like, oh, should we wake up? Because she's like, fall- she's like falling asleep in On like the, the living room. Yeah, with her like, back's not gonna like that. Yeah, anymore. with like the little uh, with the nutcracker just nestled beside her. Which... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so they leave her there, and the 
magic begins to emit from the owl on top of the grandfather clock. Yeah, the owl that just, like, it's not really associated with the world they go into. No. So, like, this owl is just, like, magic on its own, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I don't know what this owl's deal is. Like, uh-huh. but the magic goes around and... And it uh, comes out of this, like, very large hole in the... And, well, like, on the on the bottom of the floor that you think someone would have, like, filled in by now. Yeah, but... it's like, like, they've been, they were talking about how, like, oh, no, the mice have been getting into, Yeah, like... probably because you got a big gaping hole in your... Yeah, just, at the very least, put, like, a bookshelf in front of it yeah. or something, like. But suddenly, this army of mice begin to walk through the magical hole, and mm-hmm. soon the magic surrounds the nutcracker as it begins to animate. Weird thing before that, Clara dropped... The Nutcracker, yeah. because she was asleep, and the Nutcrackers just stood perfectly uh, straight that's up. Some, that's, you, you need some skill to accomplish that. Clara yeah. just did it accidentally. Yeah. But, yeah, they're kind of, there isn't really any clear defined, like, how things work in this universe. Because, like, we learned that the Nutcracker is from this realm that the mice came out of. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's like, then how, how did he, like, get there as her toy? Yeah. I, I mean... I suppose, like, the original story's meant to kind of impart, like, the sort of childhood logic yeah. that would be expected. Yeah, for but the story. original story kind of implies that it was just, like, a dream that she mm-hmm. had. But this movie kind of implies at the end that it was real. So yeah. it's like... Yeah, that's a, that seems to be an angle they love to add with any adaptation. Yeah. Which, I get. I mean, it makes sense. I guess, like... like Nowadays, the whole, it was all a dream all along twist isn't really yeah. that appealing anymore. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but it is kind of like, it kind of does bring up some like logical things to consider. <laughs> but anyway, so the mice start attacking and then our nutcracker, he's alive and he starts fighting them. Yeah. And Clara wakes up and notices this and she seems like very undisturbed by what's going on yeah she i mean she says shoo to one of the mice and that the, is this mice eat. that has like armor and like little swords like uh. little clothes on and she's just like non-perturbed by this yeah she's like, like hey get away yeah this battle begins to ensue notably without like the famous like nutcracker battle suite like the da 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 it's it's not there and um, I mean, it's fine because a lot of, you kind of ignore it because this battle has a lot of surprisingly good choreography. Like, they really take advantage of the fact that this is a 3D animated feature and they do that thing where they do these large sweeps through the scenery and all that stuff. That was really popular once animators found out, oh, we could just have this stationary background in all we'd have to do is move the camera around it and it will be super dynamic. Yeah. I really loved how this battle was framed. Like, you see, like, the Nutcracker, like, fighting off all these various mice before the one and only Mouse King Voiced emerges. Voiced by Tim Curry himself. Definitely Tim... the best voice performance, I think. In well, this. oh yeah. I mean, they hired a professional. Like, the Tim... Curry, most definitely one of, like, the more iconic celebrity voice actors and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, 
he's the sort of actor that like no matter what sort of role you give him he seems to always just like go 110 percent i know tim curry will show up in like the most bottom rate movies ever but like still like and he will always he will always be the best part of those movies too oh god did you ever see that uh that christmas beauty and the beast movie where he was the organ he was the big old organ Oh man, that he, there's just something about his voice, like the way he emotes words utterly ghastly, oh. and it's just he doesn't well, really like change his voice for different things. He just like goes as himself, and that's enough, you know. I mean, when you're like looking for a villain, like that's pretty much like his bread and butter with this stuff. He's pretty much a modern day. Vincent Price in terms of his voice performances. But anyway, so they start fighting, and eventually uh, Clara and the Nutcracker end up on this, like, a... This holly banister. Yes, this holly that's on the fireplace. This Rat King does not screw around. He's he's got a magic scepter that turns into a sword, an axe, a yeah, crossbow. Yeah, it makes like a it makes like a ti- that stock tiger noise sound effect. Um, yeah, it, which is very that's strange. a very strange choice. But I, I like how it imparts like a very menacing vibe to it. <laughs> I but yes, oh, yeah, we missed the part where like the uh, Nutcracker just crushed those like. <laughs> yes, the the Rat King's like you're coming with me, and the Nutcracker is basically like. Nope, and he kicks over a giant book and crushes, like, three rats under it. It's like, yeah, well, dang, like, dude. They lift up and they're okay, but still, it's, like, very funny for a yeah. second. Because it looks like he just, like, crushed these, yeah. these rats. I <laughs> mean, yeah, these mice. Like, these are just mice. You commonly think that, oh, these are rats, like, because the rats are the bad ones. Yeah. But, like, no, this they're This movie mi- is very anti-mouse. Yeah. Like, all mice are evil in this movie. Well, I mean, in the time that this thing was written, like, mice, is ca- mice carried diseases and all no, that. No, but they're like... so cute, you know? They got little, little, little eyes. They are. They are. They're very cute. But cool. anyway, so, like, uh, but the, the Rat King is trying to shoot. Shoot, uh, shoot him down. Yeah. Oh, I. this is just one last thing I need to note about the battle scene. There was this one shot that uh, shows the Nutcracker and the Rat and the Mouse King. We're going to get that wrong all night. Mm. Uh, the, the Nutcracker and the Mouse came like sword fighting. And they do that thing where they step towards the camera and you have them silhouetted by a le- like the fireplace. And it's not something that they needed to do, but it's something that adds like this layer of tension in it. If like these filmmakers did not care about this, it, it's one of those things that they wouldn't have included. Yeah. So, battle. Um, battle ends. She like, uh, so she sees the, the mouse and she like, flings her shoe at him and her shoe her like tiny shoe must weigh like 50 pounds because it like takes him out yeah like we see him in later scene he's got like a like a little bandage on his head mm-hmm. like he's got but it's one of those things where it's like see barbie can fend for herself sorta yeah right please don't scrutinize us <laughs> But this causes the mouse army to flee, and Clara and the Nutcracker are alone, and, oh, I need to head back to, oh, what was this kingdom called? Parthenia? Parthenia. Parthenia, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's gotta be a part of the original short story. I don't think, I think they're just like, hmm, what's like a fantasy name? And they're yeah. just like, put a bunch of, put a bunch of vowels together, and be like, okay, there you go. but he informs her that the only way she can return to her normal size after did we mention the mouse king shrunk her 
Oh yeah, the Mouse King shrinks yeah, her, so which, she's, she's mouse size now. And yeah, the only way that she can stop this is by uh, consulting with the Sugar Plum Fairy, the only person who can defeat the yeah. Mouse King. But they don't call her the Sugar Plum Fairy, they call her the, the Sugar, Sugar Plum, Plum Princess. Princess. Because like, remember, this is... This is Barbie, Barbie girl, gotta, girls like princesses. Yes. Okay, so there's got to be a princess in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna skedaddle," and she's like, "Well, I'm like tiny. What do I do now?" He's you like, got to come with me. Yeah, and so the owl comes over. And yes, and the owl on top of the gingerbread house comes to life on and top sw- of the clock. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not a, I don't know why I said a gingerbread house, but and informs. And tells them about the Sugar Plum Princess. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's very clear exposition, but it's like, it, it just felt very much like, uh, for people who are fans of The Legend of Zelda, there's this part in Ocarina of Time where this giant owl just gives a lot of exposition and you're constantly, like, mashing the A button to get out of that dialogue. But this... But this owl... Yeah, we don't bas- really know explanation or context for when, for this owl, as we mentioned. Yeah. She's just kind of... She just happens to be magic and is already there. So. And already knows pretty much everything about what's going on in this situation. Yeah, and so it's she like, tells them they need the Sugar Plum Princess to defeat the Mouse King. Yeah. And then she's just like, alright, now bye. And she goes back to the grandfather clock and turns back into wood. So it's time for them to go through the little mouse hole. Yeah. As, to, they as, go through like a, a nice warp tunnel. Yep, so. yep. But they think they might have taken a wrong turn because they land in a large snow field, which... It's like a cavern, like a snow yeah, cavern. Which also has like this really nice spiral design. Like, you look at these sets and it's like... They put so much effort into it, and it's astounding. But they don't know how to get out of this until they encounter these snow fairies. Yeah, they find they find the little one that you saw in like the credits. Yeah, did I did I mention that? Did I mention how much like something about these early Barbie movies, like the way that they render like the kid characters, like. Yeah, all these Barbies would usually have, like, a few kind of, like, kid characters, too, that you could also, like, sell with the mm-hmm. big Barbie. And, yeah, maybe maybe it's just because they were modeling them after the actual dolls, but, like, the way they have, like, these really puffy baby cheeks and the fact that they had really big lips and eyes and the lips would almost always have, like, lipstick on it and it would always feel a little weird. Yeah, and they use kind of, like, the same blonde child mm-hmm. model for, like, all... Pretty much all of them. Yeah, because you got the fairy, and then you got the yeah. other girl from the village, and then you have Kelly in the opening. And even the boy character, like, they, like, it's, they oh, they look very we, we, similar. We will get to Mr. We will Mr. Get to... Bolt Cut. So, so they find the, they find the, the ice fairies, because they meet the little one, and the fairies in this universe talk kind of like in a... They talk just like, like a... Yeah, and it's like... It's one of those things where, like, I can see many parents being very annoyed by it. Yeah. But... But they got the little one, and she summons, like, the the grown snow fairies, which mm-hmm. are, like, obviously kind of modeled after the dancers. Mm-hmm. And then now we got the snowflake dance. Yes, so this is one of the... 
the first of many times where we will kind of just interrupt all of the storytelling just to, like, show a little dance number, which, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You're adapting the Nutcracker. You gotta include that ballet somewhere. And you, you, you got the New York ballet with you, so... Yeah, you should use them. Yeah, and this whole sequence, the way that they did the fairies in this one did feel kind of like that Fantasia segment, yeah. the Nutcracker Fantasia segment, because they're like, they're like uh, season-changing fairies. Mm-hmm. And, they're kinda... and they're like s- slowly falling to the ground while they like dance. A weird thing is that like one of the fairies is like, oh, dance with us. And Clara's like, oh, I couldn't. Maybe this is supposed to be, like, an internal conflict with hers where she's, like, mm. shy or something, but they... But we they, learn later, she's a pretty good dancer. Yeah, so. and they don't even really address it. Like, it's a thing that she needs to overcome, which yeah. feels like they could have, like, gone into that and, like, so maybe that, add some more... Yeah, that might have kind of tied into their so like, framing be, device. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, but anyway, so they, uh... They just blow a hole in the, the yeah, cavern. Yeah, which they probably didn't need to do that big old <laughs> dance, but they're like, well, okay, we got you trapped in here. You're gonna... You're, we're gonna force you to watch this, Listen, okay? Listen, we spent 14 hours doing the choreography for this. You better we, appreciate we it, okay? To, like, and no one's been in here for literal years. We need... Let us just do this thing. I know. So they they get out, and then we get to the matte painting of a world. Mm-hmm. It's an okay done matte painting. It yeah. it looks, admittedly, it looks kind of like the quality of something you would see on like Deviant Art circa twenty twelve. Yeah, like yeah, it is kind of sort of got that like Photoshop. Kid, yeah, kids uh, website or like kids yeah, that's a better way. Feel. Yeah, yeah, which I guess comes with the territory when it comes to a property like Mattel and Barbie and mm-hmm. stuff. But it's like I said before, if they added a little bit more detail to it and not make everything look so glossy, yeah, it, it probably would have looked just, less. It does get just feels very flat to look yeah. at. You know, they could have made it a bit more dynamic looking. I think. Yeah, I. And I'm sure as we see more of these movies, it's probably going to develop a lot more. But for now, it's just one of the weaker parts of this movie. But, yeah. but this is where we get introduced, I think, to uh, the, the bat sidekick. Yeah. So the Mouse King has a bat sidekick. And it looks remarkably similar to other bat sidekicks he's, that he's, came in vogue in the 90s yeah, for some reason. because you... Well, you got a Robin Williams bat from Fern Gully. You got, and then you got the Anastasia bat. Which imagine, imagine you're you're Rasputin. Yeah, you're like and you the, got you're the famous guy from history who got stabbed <laughs> a lot and thrown in thrown in cold water. Yeah, and only you... for years later for your legacy to be made into an animated wizard with a bat sidekick. Yeah, a bat sidekick that ended up getting its own sequel. Yeah. Oh, oh, I always saw that. That always looked really bad to me. I've never seen it. I can't testify for that. But yeah. uh, but the bat sidekick uh, informs the Rat King that they're looking for the Sugar Plum Princess. And the Rat King's like, the Mouse King is uh-huh. like, we must search through the Royal Directory, which is like, I don't know what that, how that's supposed to help anything. Well, he's got, I guess, like, that's just where all the literature is. Yeah. And gotta go. Like, somehow this kingdom has, like, yeah. a registry for literally every single living creature in yeah, this kingdom. We don't really see, like, a whole bunch of different creatures, though. You got yeah. the humans, you got... The mice. Horse. And single horse. One horse, and you got fairies. There isn't really... And then you get a rock monster later, but he's not really... 
Ah, uh, yeah. A part of it. But anyway, so they so, they they stumble into a gingerbread village. That, yeah. It, it's it, been ransacked. So, and, and the thing is, so they're going through this village. And there's, like, no one there. It's very much like that scene in Mulan where they find the burnt village and mm-hmm. it's just, like... Yeah, they... there's some kind of, like, implied genocide going on. A because, gingerbread like, genocide. Every time they're talking about, oh, it's the people, but we see the people, and there's, like, 12 of them. Yeah. Like, it... where is everyone else in this kingdom? Yeah, and and they're looking around, and they find a doll, and they soon find a horse that is drawing a candy carriage. Now, it's not just a horse. It's, it's a pink yeah, horse. Yeah, gotta have that pink horse. It's which... a pink horse. Yeah, that's that seems to be another common occurrence. So, yeah, something you'll see with pretty much every one of these Barbie movies is that you'll have a lot of different characters. A lot of different characters that are essentially just like the character, the toy doll. Characters. Yeah, so you'll have like the two different models of Barbie, one in her regular dress and one in her princess dress. You'll have whoever Ken is playing. You'll have like three or four like of the little kitty dolls that yeah. will be the background people. And then you'll usually have the horse or Mm -hmm. the magical animal that accompanies. Yeah. Even then, like, you would usually have, like, a horse, Mm -hmm. even if there were other animal characters, but... Yeah, and it's it's always got, like, a little carriage that you can put your Barbie in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Funny how that works out. Yeah, so we got the... So they're going around this village, and they find these two children. So you got Mm -hmm. another creepy, like, little blonde girl, and you got, like, a little blonde boy that's got, like, this kind of... Yeah. coconut head thing going on. Oh, yeah. Like, and they're both dressed up in candy garb. And mm-hmm. these are the only characters that are dressed like this. Where it makes me wonder, like, where are the rest of these candy people? Yeah, they... like, well, they say, like, well, we went out and we came back and everyone was gone. And I was going to think later on they would have a scene where they would, like, find the captured people. But and, like, we free never them. do. So, yeah, we never see them. So we just got to, like, go on by the implication that, like, they're just dead. They're just dead. This entire. Like, the mouse can kill them. Yeah. Like, and these children, like, their entire families were just, like, probably killed and they're never seen again. Yeah. And they're, they seem to be taking this very well. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that, the, that seems to be bugging them is that they're really people at the former rightful heir to the throne, Prince Eric. Uh-huh. Which... Prince Eric. I wonder who yes, he is. Yes, who? I, I just, I Man, just don't know. Man, well, crazy how that nutcracker gets so sad when people start dissing Prince Eric in front of him. I didn't notice that. I, I guess I just didn't pick up on that connection. Mm. I wonder what that will mean. But, uh, but yeah, smash the monarchy. Right on, kids. Because yeah, they so- tell him that the king hasn't really done a whole lot to help out, so, I mean, good on them, but... I mean, he let, like, I guess the Mouse King get into power, so. Yeah, they say that the Mouse King used to be, like, a royal advisor of some kind, mm-hmm. which, w- with someone with a voice like Tim Curry, the fact that you let them have any form of power, like, I feel like that's... And the mice, are, the mice are, like, the only, like, anthropomorphic animal people we see in this. Yeah. So it's, like, like I said, you can tell the budget went down on how many models they could make because this universe does feel very sparse in mm-hmm. the people living Definitely. in it. Definitely. Definitely. Anyway, but, like, they said that the prince was, like, supposed to take up the throne, but, like, he, like, didn't want to or didn't. Or yeah, like he that. said he... W- it's, un- it's unclear why he... F- felt he wasn't sure like he didn't he says he didn't want to be king but like they don't go into a whole lot of reasons why which 
I guess that's a not good place, Danny, to talk about, like, the Nutcracker's characterization in yeah, itself. Yeah, he's kind of, uh, I mean, I guess he has more personality than kind of your typical male Yeah, lead. he is somewhat sassy, like, the way he acted in the battle and yeah. that sort of thing, but, like... We never really, like, get a lot of character development from him, because most of it is just being, him being, like, oh, I feel so bad, but, like, yeah. he's already pretty competent in what he mm-hmm. does, you know? I mean, it's... He just kind of needs uh, Clara to be like, no, you're great. Yeah, exactly. Like, it feels very appropriate that he shares the name with literally one of the most bland Disney princes there is. But they decide to uh, journey further into the woods to find uh, the Sugar Plum Princess. As they were informed by the Aloe, we didn't say this, but she was right across from the Stormy Sea. Yeah, so she's on an island. And they're walking in, and they see, like, a line of the mice going by. Yeah. And then they're like, and they oh my begin- god, it's the mice. And they, and, and then suddenly, the mice steal the horse, and it runs away, and it's like, oh, okay, bye, horse. And yeah. they begin chasing them through the woods, and they're all running as fast as they can, when suddenly a rope bridge emerges down from the treetops, and they're rescued by the remaining citizens of this kingdom, the kingdom of Parthenia. Par- parentheses. <laughs> yeah, they're all 12 of the surviving people that survived this purge. Yeah, and these there. are some pretty generic looking kingdom goers. Like, they're in pretty standard medieval peasant garb. But... Yeah, except for uh, the leaders. We got we got the two. We can talk about them. Oh, yes. We got the first one. Uh, we got uh, Captain Candy, who I don't know, like... I'm fairly certain this was a, a character from the original story too, but I think there he was supposed to be Turkish or yeah, something like. Well, I, they I they make it. him a Sikh mm-hmm. of some kind. Sikh. Yeah. I, I I I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but mm-hmm. yeah, he he seems like in terms of characterization, he seems like a pretty nice, albeit sarcastic guy. Which, if this was an original character from the uh like short story, I can only imagine how. Wacky and zany, they made this foreign man. Yeah, I don't think he was in the original story. I always thought it was kind of almost like... Because I thought they were going to set where they were going to, like, reference, like, the Arabian dance at the end. Mm, but, like, so that might... Okay, there you go. That Yeah, been but a... that doesn't end up happening, so... But, I mean, uh, kudos for some diversity, I guess. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Mattel. Like, it, it's... I mean... It's something. It's something. It's better than that. But <laughs> okay. accompanied... Yeah, but we're beating around the bush. Uh, Captain Candy is accompanied by Major Mint. Ooh, who's this big, this big British guy with the tall British guy who's very tall, very like, tall. Like My- they show him next to like a uh, Captain Candy, and he's like a like a head taller than him. Yeah, it's and those two they got some tension. But he's they- like when I said earlier that uh, I thought the grandfather was the most stereotypically British man. Then I met Captain Mint, and he he, he talks in all grunts. He sounds like a Monty Python parody of a disgruntled government employee where he's just... He's like, it's all like toodle pip It's all like in British. Oh, by Jiminy! It's like British British grunting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's just like, oh, I shall be the captain of the expedition. Oh, and, and it's very clear that it's... Yeah, and he's just... He is also not having it for Prince Eric. And oh, he, yeah, he's like, man, p- p- 
Prince Eric, who was one of the worst ever. Ah, he was just a foolish boy. I know, yeah. he's and a reason. Like Captain blah, 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 blah. Candy is like, he was my friend. I sure do miss him. I wonder <laughs> if this nutcracker guy could possibly know anything about my good dear friend that isn't and, there. And it's like, he sounds exactly the same. Yeah, you think Candy, he's a- dude. <laughs> Yeah, I guess he just, like, doesn't know his friend as much as he thought he did. Yeah, but they decide that, oh, they are going to go, Candy and Mint are going to lead the expedition to find the Sugar Plum Princess. Yeah, and while they're there, Clara kind of has a moment where she kind of, like, talks to the children, which is, again, with kind of, like, the sort of nurturing mother kind of type of her character, where she's like... Well, you gotta stay here, but don't worry, we'll be coming back. Yep. Unlike your parents, they're never coming back. (laughs) Then she has, like, a pretty decent moment with the Nutcracker as she's like, Oh, I thought you'd be here alone, Prince Eric. And it's like, okay, good. Well, she has some awareness. You're not stupid like these people. (laughs) Like, you can can clearly put two and two together. And Mm -hmm. I think this is, like, them trying to, like, build up the fact that, like, oh, she's not just a pretty face. She's got, like, competency Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Which, granted, there was a lot more they probably could have done with her character. But, like... I don't know. I'll get a bit more into Clara's character arc later. All right, yeah. But anyway, they... Essentially, they have a nice talk where he's like, well, I failed all these people, so it's my duty now that I gotta, like, make things right what I did. Yeah. And something I like is that he isn't even, like, that concerned about becoming king or anything like that. Or, like, even, like, being, like, human again. It's more like he kind of just wants to, like, make things right just for the sake of, like, it's something he has to do. Yeah, which, admittedly, that's some pretty bare-bones characterization. But it's, again, it's something. And it's a lot better than some other, like, prince characters we've seen in other media. Yeah. Disney. But anyway. Yeah, but, so, uh... So they're walking along the shore and they come across this floating... Rock bridge. Oh, yeah. So there just happens to be a floating rock, rock bridge. bridge. Yeah, and of course, uh, Major Mint, he's like, oh, I, I, I shall go, go first. first. <laughs> so he's he's going off. He's making these ridiculous noises. Yeah, the he... entire time he's just like, <laughs> and Captain Candy starts coming behind him. And he's like, and Major Mint, like, accidentally knocks him off. Yeah. Can I just say, the entire time, Captain Candy is just always, like, giving the biggest rolled eyes to this guy, and it's just like, wow. They got... They got... They got... They got tension, They got tension. Mm -hmm. They got chemistry, dare I say. Yeah. It's a... There's some... There's some loaded moments there. Oh. But anyway, so he, like, knocks him... And... Major Mint this entire time doesn't notice. Yeah, he doesn't notice that he nearly knocks him over the cliffs to fall into a ravine. Yeah. He knocks... A ravine that is just like a... A very (laughs) static picture. Of... Very menacing indeed. And so, like, uh, the Nutcracker is like, okay, I'm gonna save you. And he detaches his arm, which is a thing that we forgot to mention that he can do, like... There was a scene earlier where his arm accidentally falls off and it's like, oh, sorry, that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he detaches his arm and holds it so that he can lift him back up. And yeah. meanwhile, Clara doesn't do anything. Yeah, Clara just kind of like hangs out at this point. Yeah. And she's like, see, you are brave. You did that. And yeah, like, and it's just like, 
But I mean, we yeah, didn't you really, could have helped him. We didn't really need like a scene though, proving that the Nutcracker was brave though. Yeah, because he, he like are... already like straight up like fought the Mouse King himself single handedly. Yeah, yeah. In the first scene. Like, they kind of build up the Mouse King to be like, oh, he's so powerful, but he literally, he gets defeated by a shoe in the first scene we see him in. Yeah. With a lot of these movies, like, they got him, they do put a lot of effort into making them, the villains, as non-threatening as possible, which... Yeah. I mean, there's like there's like stakes in here, but it's there not are like, stakes, in but the... it's not like so stakey where we can't take the time to watch a little dance scene. Because mm-hmm. with because the supplies are now gone, it's up to Clara and uh, the Nutcracker to get supplies while Mint and Candy are building a boat together. Yeah, building a boat, getting all sweaty, <laughs> knocking wood together. <laughs> Oof. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just two men of the sea, just, just... Just, just hammering down. (laughs) We think they're lovers. So anyway... (laughs) But they, but Clara and uh, the Nutcracker are journeying throughout the woods, and they, uh, where they stumble across an old well that the prince... Knew about the old he, well is somewhere around here, but it's like, well, I guess he, he just knows, okay? I He's guess. the prince, he knows, he knows everything. I guess so. So they're like, hey, everything is kind of destroyed around here, but they open up the hatch and it's it's like the flower fairies, yeah, and it's very similar. And they got another child character <laughs> that's like the from got, the opening, got the pudgy cheeks and all and yeah this one has brown hair so she's different okay mm-hmm. she got a flower dress yep yep totally and, different yeah and this is where they go into the march of the flowers mm-hmm. sequence yeah which again is very fantasia-esque or yeah alternatively those tinkerbell movies it's kind of like that if you think about that yeah that, there is a lot of like those sort of vibes i mean even though this was probably basic technology then like i do there i do like how nice like, the way that they showed, like, the flowers blooming and the trees blossoming and the fruit growing, like, it was basic stuff, but the way that they framed it and, like, showed it alongside the dancing, it looked very beautiful. And, yeah, it was, it again, it looked pretty. It was pretty nice. Ate up a little bit of time and just was a little, like, Yeah, okay. Eh, okay. So, um, yeah, they're dancing around and, like, they make these apples grow and they drop it on the nutcracker and it's like, haha, funny scene. Yeah. But he, like, picks up an apple and he's like, supplies. But they, like, don't pick them up. I don't yeah. think they ever get any supplies. No, they don't they... ever get any supplies because after this, like, we come back to the castle and the, the the Mouse King is furious because he can only find, in the only entry with the Sugar Plum Princess, it's like, someone who's brave and noble and beautiful. Mm. That's it? Which, mm-hmm. admittedly, like, that was like, that got a chuckle out of me, like, mm-hmm. seeing, like, his expression and just the way Tim Curry delivers it is very good. And, yeah, and the Bat Messenger is, like, talking about, oh, they're at the Endless Ocean, we gotta go. And the Mouse King is chastising the two guards that let them get away. Yeah. And he does so by turning them into bookends. And he, like, does this turning his subjects into stone so often that his, like, lawn is literally, like, filled with them. With lawn ornaments. He's got, he already has a lot of, like, uh, paperweights. He's got a bunch of statues already. And it's, like, 
It's like, you, you wonder how he has anyone left, you know? Yeah, exactly. But then, like, like, who knows where all these mice are coming from? Like, no, I they can reproduce pretty fast. So maybe he just, like, got, he's got, like, a ever-rechargeable army, you yeah. know? I'm surprised that something they could have also done, like, why didn't he make a, he could have made a chess set out of some of those people, yeah. you know? That would have been... Well, there are many things he could have he could have made like a, like a bang or make him have their hands up so they could be like a nice artistic table. Yeah, or, or like, you know, gotta get some set or like decor. make one with someone then like a coffee table. You mm. know, when he's like watching the tunes, he needs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it could have been like like the like Gravity Falls where where he just makes a big throne out of his stone. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have been able to easily do that with the software but that that would have been like a very cool evocative scene that mm-hmm. could kind of depict a, yeah. his power. how dare you not think about that yeah cracker writers yeah how dare you mattel i know but not think of this idea that we stole from another show that didn't that air, air until, until like a decade later <laughs> he then decides to take matters into his own hands as he shatters an entire boulder and or it's like it's a like a pillar, pillar a pillar not a boulder that apparently wasn't holding anything up so I mean, yeah so it's no problem but he uses his magic so the pieces form a large golem, which also, I gotta say, probably some somewhat simple animation techniques for the time, but it still looked very cool, like, the way that they were able to take these individual particles and, like, form them into this large being and actually rig them to have animation. And it's like, yeah, cool, good artistry, good character design, well done, Mattel. But yeah, after they send the supplies, that's when this giant rock beast and the bat come along Mm -hmm. and they begin chasing Clara and the Nutcracker through the forest and he smashes the apples! Yeah. And he also smashes the boat. But that's not as important as the apples. Not the apples. Not the apples. But they don't really have a whole what is out of this when uh, the fairies come back in and Yeah, but it's like the ice fairies. It's the snow fairies that come in. Yeah, and they... Freeze the entire ocean. Yeah, these fairies have like world breaking powers. Like they're just incredibly powerful. Yeah, like, and yet they never really like help to like defeat the actual bad guy. Yeah, like the Nutcracker even joked where Claire's like, oh, where did they go? And the Nutcracker's like, probably causing a blizzard somewhere. And it's mm-hmm. like, why don't. Yo, you're free. Go freeze the Mouse King. Yeah. That can no. be done. You could freeze entire oceans. Maybe it's like it's like the eagles from the Lord of the Rings. Like they yeah. just do what they want. They like help when the, when it's like convenient yeah. for them. Yeah, I but, guess. But so and also the horse comes back with yeah. her carriage. Yes. Did the horse have a name? Marzipan. Marzipan. Kind of an arbitrary name, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, Marzipan is there and Marzipan's going to pull them across the sea on the sleigh as they're running away from uh, the giant, and the prince gets out, and this is a line that I actually really appreciated, where Claire's like, no, wait! And he, she, he's like, don't worry, wood floats. And he <laughs> stabs the ground and causing the ice to shatter. And that's one of those things, like, they keep on talking about how he's made of wood. But it's not, it doesn't really come up, you know? He seems pretty, like, he can operate pretty normally yeah. in society. It would have been interesting to see, like, people be a little, like, weirded out by him. That could have been... Yeah, I guess this is just what people are used to. In this yeah, movie. then again, we got that bullhead gingerbread kid running around, so... <laughs> There's definitely is a part where, like, it seems like he wants to, like, not be a nutcracker, but being a nutcracker doesn't seem to really, like have that much disadvantages. If anything, if it, like, Yeah, it's got benefits, because he can, like, at- detach that arm, you know? Like, scratch his back, yeah. like, reach stuff off the top shelves. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And he's like practically immortal, you know? He's wood. Well, not not immortal. He gets into some trouble later. Mm-hmm. But... So they're journeying throughout the, I guess, the now frozen over ocean. And Clara's like feeling conflicted where it's like, are you ready to go home? And she's like, I think so. Which begs the question, like, at first I thought that she was conflicted about going because she was so dead set on helping people. But we'll see later that that, I guess, wasn't as much of the yeah, case. Yeah, it's more like she, like, wants to stay there. Which, at first I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of dumb that she's wanting to, like, just leave her whole family behind. And but it's, like, you. more... Yeah, I also thought it was, like, maybe she wants to see the world. Yeah, like, where she kind of feels sort of stifled by her home life. And, mm-hmm. like, this is all new and exciting. And there's all these cool things around. Yeah. But eventually, yeah. like, they do make it to the island mm-hmm. amid some questionable fog effects. Yeah. And Mint is just like, oh, we can't go anywhere. We should turn back. And then it, literally they walk 10 feet and it's right there. And it's just like, yeah, okay, that was that was necessary. Yeah. And they go onto this pretty island and then they see the big old palace. When I looked at it, I was like, huh, it looks really weird, which I just kind of like chalked it up to like low budget animation. But they enter in there and they look and it looks like just another one of the map paintings and stuff. But they poke at it, and it turns out it's a giant wooden facade Mm -hmm. that was used to trap them, which is like, okay, hey, movie, taking advantage of, like, your limited environment and the fact that a lot of these things are map paintings in order to actually show a good twist. Good economic storytelling. Good job. Yes, good job. Yeah, and because Clara was still kind of, like, hesitant about reading it, she, like, kind of fell behind. So she's the only one who doesn't get captured. Mm -hmm. All the dudes get captured, and they get carried away by the bat, who has all these friends that, I guess, that we never see again. Yeah, these are the only times we ever see these other bats. Yeah. But. Dixon eh. away. And so she's, like. Alone on the island, and she's, like. I don't know what to do. Wait a minute. I can't give up now. I'm their only hope. I just got to get off the island. When it's like, hey, also good. Like, nice not being too despair. Like, actually trying to, like, make her, like, a somewhat independent person. That's, like, self-reliant. But this is, I feel like this is a little undercut by uh, Fairy X Machina as the... Yeah, the fairy show up. I think this is probably a good idea to kind of, like, go time to go into the thing with Clara. The big thing about Clara is that the movie really wants to be, like, oh, she's essentially the one who's, like, here to be the savior to this mm-hmm. world. Kind of, like, it's a, it is sort of like a wish fulfillment fantasy with the way they portray it, where, like, she's, like, they make a big point about how, like, she's, like, super special and super confident and how, like, she's the one person that can help them. You okay? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Because it is revealed later, spoiler alert, that she was the... Sugar Plum Princess yeah, the sh- whole time. Oh, <gasps> yeah. But, like, the thing is, she does very little active stuff in this story. Aside from, like, when she kicks the Mouse King in, like, one scene. Like, it's kind of the Nutcracker who's doing more of the action-y stuff. Yeah. Part of me wonders if, like, they made it that way so that they could potentially make this movie appeal to boys more. Yeah, the Nutcracker almost has, like, as big of a presence in it as Barbie herself. Yeah. Maybe the logic being is, like, oh, if we add more action and fight scenes and stuff like that, we can make this so that uh, boys will want to sit down and watch this movie with their sisters. Yeah. 
But it is like, they definitely, it is the Nutcracker that does the more action-y parts. But she does, so the fairies end up coming and they take her to the castle. where On like a big old swing. Yeah, a big old rope swing. And you think the fairies would like, with their astronomical power, could maybe do something to help. But they just kind of, they just go off. Yeah, they just go off. And leaving Clara to look through... In the castle herself. Yeah, and we see that the fairies, that they've gone back to, like, the treetop place where the rest of the people are. And they're, like, they're talking to the little kids. And I guess the little kids understand the fairies. Yeah. That's, it's just kind of in one scene. It's never really established. But they're, like, the fairies are right. We need to rise up. Yeah, and it's just, like, like what do these fairies say? It's like, we need to destroy the monarchy. Yeah, and it's, Cease like, the of production. Take to the streets. Smash the state. Yeah, but their army is like, like I said, because they're mod- they don't can't make a lot of models. They're yeah, their like, representation of the population is just like twelve people. Yeah, it certainly does undercut that moment. Yeah, a little bit. Because it's like it's not really doesn't really feel like a revolution. It feels more like a like a small party of people. Yeah, if anything, it feels like just like a group of kids fighting over a spot in the playground. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, Clara is journeying through the castle, trying to find uh, her friends. Yeah, she and finds these two mouse, mouse. guards. Yeah. And the, first she's, like, surprised because she thinks, like, oh, I've been caught. But then she's like, oh, the mouse king told me that you had to go to the courtyard at once or he's going to turn you into flies. Yeah, and it's just like, and they believe them, and it's like... Because there, we see that there's, like, no other people around. Yeah. So it's, like, weird why they would think that the Mouse King would send, like, this, like, random lady to tell them. Yeah. If anything, I feel like this was kind of just, like, another bit of a weak sauce way to show. See? She's clever. She outsmarted the mice. But, like, to me, it doesn't say that Claire is clever. It just tells me that these mice are stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just instead maybe make it so that, like... I don't, uh, and the thing is, I wouldn't really know how much, how to fix this, but, like, if they could maybe figure out a way for her to be a little bit more clever, like, maybe she could, like, impersonate the king's voice or something yeah. like that to and make... That's, and that's the whole thing with the twist, like, she, there isn't really, like, a moment where her character really changes, where yeah. she, like, learns to be brave. It's yeah. more like she just kind of, like... Just does the does thing. Does things when it's needed and just kind of stands back mm-hmm. during the more pivotal moments. Yeah. And it's weird because they foreshadow that she might be the Sugar Plum Princess in previous scenes because she walks in the snow and, like, flowers are blooming in, like, every step she takes, Miyazaki style. And it's yeah. like, if anything, it would have been cool if, like, maybe she's developing magic powers and she begins to use that to maybe help her friends. Like, yeah, or she, like, helps in some more situations because, like, aside from, like, this one moment of getting them out of the cell, you can't even give her give her credit for, like, making it to the castle because that was, like, the fairies. Yeah. She just kind of does this one thing. And, like, in the other scene, she's just kind of... Yeah. Stands to the side, which is a bit disappointing, you know? I feel like they could have done more for it. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. But anyway, so she finds the room, but, like, there's no one in there. But, like, we see that they are in there. They're just, like, behind, like, an invisible glass wall where, mm-hmm. like, they she they can see her, but she can't see them. Yeah, and it's... And they can't... 
And she can't hear them either. Yeah, and I guess that is meant to be more of like a, another, oh, look how clever she is. Because she's like, why would two guards be guarding like an empty room? And that causes her to investigate, which, okay, I guess. But it kind of felt like the artists were like, oh, we have this cool computer thing we could do. Oh, look at this cool filter we can apply to the characters. How can we add this to the story? Yeah, they never really established like that this wall thing is a thing that they can do. It's kind of just in this one scene. But and it's, it's, like, and it's eh. never mentioned again. It's like, but at the same time, eh, it's just eh. there. Yeah, it's but a- she like figure she finds the wall and she smashes it with like a torch, and she has saved the dudes. Yeah, and now it's time- now it's time for the dudes to face off against the Mouse King. Yeah, and yeah, the Mouse King is like setting up like a giant fire to like burn the Nutcracker uh-huh. in. He's, and- he's going full Frollo on the mm-hmm. Nutcracker. Yeah, he's like, again, you are going to burn tonight, and he's like, gather up all the. Because the Mouse King gets told that the people are rising up. And like I said, by the people, they mean like the, the group of 12 people that are still alive. Yeah. And he's like, bring them in and we're going to bring everyone in and we're going to show it. But then again, the crowd just isn't big. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, he doesn't even like show them anything. He all freezes them in stone while the battle before mm-hmm. any potential like burning could occur. You know, why does he just like freeze everyone to stone? Them? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's one of those weird things. But anyway, the Nutcracker and the Mouse King face off and and the Mouse King decides to make himself grow bigger and they begin to face off to to the best of his ability, but the Nutcracker, oh, he gets, he gets battered around, and credit or credits do, I guess Clara sees him about to, like, use his magic on them, and she grabs a sword and reflects, like, the Mouse King's magic back onto him, causing him to shrink to very small Did she reflect the sword or did like the Nutcracker kind of reflect it? No, I think it was Clara. Yeah, yeah, I'm fairly certain it was like Clara reflecting this spell. And this causes the uh, scepter to disintegrate and him to grow to a very tiny size, causing him to flee into the sewers. Flee into the sewers. And then the Nutcracker is kind of like worse for wear. It's kind of that scene where it's like, this person is dying, but not really. Yeah. Yeah, even though it's like, he got battered around a little yeah, bit. He like, he's stuck. gonna be fine. Okay. Give, like, give him a little wood polish. He'll do <laughs> yeah, better. and she's like, oh no, I'm sorry. Don't worry. I'm only wood. But you're so much more than that. Yeah. Mwah. She gives him a little, she gives him a little kiss on, on his wooden forehead, and oh my god, he's he turns flesh. He becomes a flesh person. What? Which, as we, which as we have established, is a, a way inferior way to live in this universe. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I guess miss out on your woodman powers, man. Mm. But it is like, <laughs> woodman powers. Uh-huh. And so he's like, Clara, you're the sugar plum princess. And she begins to magically change her outfit. Yeah, she gets, she gets like a, she... She gets a hair curler in her hair, so her hair is all A styled. little tiara. She gets a sparkly ballet dress. A really sparkly a ballet very, dress. Like very a, sparkly. Like a distractingly sparkly dress. Yeah, and then there's like, he's like, you're a sugar plum princess. Your kiss saved me, and now your presence is going to... Um, Save everyone. Which and- is- because yeah. she was always there, but I guess like something changed, and now she can yeah bring back the... like it's almost like this was originally like supposed to be like one of those prophecy stories, mm-hmm. but they just forgot to add the prophecy part. Yeah, and but yeah, they 
end up uh, turning back into flesh and yeah and like all the flowers start regrowing mm-hmm. in the kingdom the the in the, the pe- rackety old castle it turns pink and every and there's a beautiful pink fountain in the center and then the matte painting turns beautiful and they mm-hmm. don't make it dark anymore I know. <laughs> and, and then uh, it's like so at this point we still have like a good like we still have like 20 minutes left in this movie so it's time for, for a dance montage yeah, it's time for some dancing yeah, that's what we do. You get a quick dance between like the two little kids. Yeah, the two little kids. Do and like... then our boys, Major Mint and Captain Candy, get their dance together. Yeah, they, they do the Russian dance. They do the Russian dance as they're bouncing each other. And, yeah. Oh, and they're like doing like these, like they're dancing around each other, and they're just showing their like physical prowess yeah. as they do these very like powerful dance moves I know. they 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 go they go at it and yeah then, like they they end it on the floor so. <laughs> <laughs> we should specify they trip over each other because yeah. oh, ha, ha. Uh, ha, 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 yeah ha. yep anyway yeah and they give each other a nod of respect mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i should note here when like i said in the beginning thinking back on this movie i thought that they I remember this movie having, like, becoming really boring in the final portion of it because I used to think that, like, the dance sequence went on forever and ever. But looking back at it now, it, it really doesn't take a whole lot of time up. Like, yeah. maybe, like, like one or two minutes long, which... Yeah, after we have the Russian dance, so we have the dance between Clara and the prince. Yeah. And that's, like, the longest That's the one. longest dance. But like, that's kind of meant to be, like, the big showcase one because that's yeah. where you see, like a lot of the elaborate ballerina choreography. It's mm-hmm. where Barbie is beautiful in her dress, and it's kind of meant to be, like... Yeah, and I can definitely see if you were, like, a young kid how a scene like that might be kind of boring. Yeah, Just unless like... you were, like, one of those people that was really into ballet, which, admittedly, that's... Barbie's market kind of intersected with that sort of thing. Yeah, and you kind of get a montage of, like, the kingdom getting more beautiful as, like, they're doing this dance, and it is a, it is an impressive dance. Like, you mm-hmm. imagine seeing it live definitely would have been impressive. Yeah, and, and, like, props to the New York City ballet people. Like, they did... I can't imagine how weird it must have been to do, like, these dances in the motion capture equipment, yeah. especially, like, early 2000s motion capture equipment, because... That it's a lot less streamlined than it was back then. Yeah. And but yeah, they they do a good job. Yeah, and it's like kind of the sequence, and they got like this music, and it's like watching as an older person. It's it's a nice moment. You it's know? nice, a little boring, but it's still nice. Yeah, and... it like maybe goes on a bit too long, but it's like you know, mm. it definitely is kind of a weird way to end the film though, because like the plot has already like stopped. Like mm-hmm. they've well. Almost, Almost uh, yeah. Because the bat begins to fly into the air, w- carrying the Rat King, and yeah. he steals Clara's necklace. Yeah, we well, established we earlier that the necklace she yeah. had a necklace that was given to her it by was, the owl. It was on an ornament that she yeah. put later. That an ornament that looks exactly like the Sugar Plum Princess, which is like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and... so it's there's some like weird kind of thing going on yeah about how this works but she gets the locket and she's told that when she opens the locket she'll return home yeah it'll turn home and uh but she's before this happens she's like eric's like don't are you ready to go home now and she's like i don't think so i want to stay here 
And he's like, you will stay here as my queen. And it's like... And as we mentioned, they're, they're kind of unclear as to how, how old Clara is in this. Yeah, and also, based off of this, we're kind of only led to believe that this has only been, like, maybe, like, five hours. Like, you could kind of explain this away if she was, like, meant to be, like, more of a child. But mm-hmm. it's like... But the prince is definitely, like, like meant an, an, adult. an adult man. Yeah. So it's kind of, hmm. Mm. hmm. Yeah, it's kind of weird, yeah. A little weird, yeah. But anyway, so, uh, the, so just as she says this, the Rat King takes her locket and he opens it up. And then we get a Thanos snap disintegration. <laughs> Mr. Nutcracker, I don't feel so good. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but it's okay, because... The little peppermint girl throws the snowball, and that causes them to yeah. They just like they just fall, fall. over the edge of the wall. We never see him again, we, so we just gotta assume they're just dead. Yeah, just dead. Yeah, and like right as she fades away, he's like, "Oh no!" And never she's gone. He's like, "I love you." And it's so like, it's it's like that. It's like that one episode of Doctor Who, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh... yeah, but it's done like a lot faster and awkward it's yeah. like at that point the people making this movie was like okay it's time to end this movie uh, yeah let's get her out of there yeah they, i it, it, yeah it really did strike me of like like the way she was like eric but clara i love you uh-huh. and it's just like i don't know just watching it now it felt like something that could have been like you could have just cut out the i love you part and it would have been nothing would be lost yeah, it's a weird scene. And so she wakes up back in her, in the living room. Mm-hmm. And she's freaking out because she can't find the nutcracker and she doesn't have a necklace on her anymore. Yeah. And so her uh, her aunt and her grandfather and her brother come in and they're like, what are you doing? And she was like, well, this whole thing happened and there was a rat king. And, we and the nutcracker was alive and he was a king. And it's like. And it's like, they would have. They would have thrown you. They would have like. Back then. They would have, yeah. They would have like diagnosed her with mania. They would have done some. Per, if you know anything about what they did to mania patients, it was a uh, um, not good, especially yeah. if you're a woman. But oh, <laughs> no, no, uh huh. But uh, she's going around. She's like, "Where's the nutcracker?" And she's like, "Tommy, did you take my nutcracker?" And he's like, "I don't want that thing." Aside from oh, before. you totally did though. Yeah. So now you don't want it, huh, Tommy? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, go, but then her aunt comes in, and lo and behold, she's walking with the prince, who is yeah. just a regular guy in this in the universe now. And she's like, yeah. "This is a son of my friend. His name is Eric." And it's just like, okay, like I, I'm fairly certain this was part of the original story too. But I it's don't like, think it was no. Really? No. I, I, I just remember other, like, Nutcracker adaptations kind of ending on the same note where it's yeah. like, oh, don't feel bad for Claire waking up because now we have this new, per- like, person that's totally not the prince, but he's also the prince. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, because and- she doesn't find the Nutcracker, so that's definitely implying that because, and then he... Opens her hand and he gives her the locket. That's yeah. Up. So it's definitely implying that what she saw was real. Yeah. And now he somehow find a way. He found a way to be back. Yeah. In the universe. And I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Which like what happened to him being like I'm gonna be king now? Yeah, because they now- go on, on this note of like, oh, I'm gonna be king, but only if like your subjects 
my subjects want me to be. And that's like, hey, okay, cool. Don't don't try to establish an absolute monarchy. Yeah. Good. But I guess maybe they establish got, they got some no parliament or something. But yeah. 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 Well, I mean, maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Now monarchy's done. They can establish a parliamentary government. Uh-huh. Maybe e- implement like a court system. Uh, what if like? Oh, what if like after like. The thing happened in the Mask King. The people were like, "We don't trust the monarchy anymore," and they were gonna like guillotine the prince. <laughs> that's why he left. Yeah. He's like, "I'm getting out of here." <laughs> oh my god! What, those fairies. Maybe those fairies did come back and was like, "We need to eat the rich, slice off their heads." Yes. And that's uh, how he was like, "Ooh, gotta go." But before they can even open their presents, like, Auntie Drosselmeyer is like, oh, you two gotta go now, and much to Tommy's chagrin, and it's mm-hmm. like... It's and, like, they need to have a moment, yeah, so... Yeah, and, and Eric's like, oh, wait, but first, Drosselmeyer's like, I was hoping he could stay for dinner, to which the grandfather's like, Hoo-fra-fra, this is most improper! How dare you expression that so improper! And it's like... <laughs> and, like, and, like... I love just how none of his authority is, like, being respected, and nope. it's like... And she's like, okay, get along, get along, grandfather, give them their moment. Yeah, and 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 he's just like, oh, can I have this dance? And she's like, I couldn't say no to a king. And it's like, and this is just like, okay, yeah, this is the prince, like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And it just, and it just ends with them dancing... In the living room. And, then and we don't have the... any time to unpack that because now, oh, story ending, back to the framing device. Yeah, and so, and Barbie was like, and that's why you can do ballet. Yeah, and Cl- Clara's like, oh, because Clara was brave, she got to be a princess. Yeah. And it's just like, Even though, like no, I mean, I guess, like, I just really feel like they should have made like Clara do more in her actual yeah, story. It, like, and I just don't understand like what sort of moral that is for like a girl. Like, yeah, and you thought you would think that with like the thing where she was nervous to dance with the fairies at the end, that maybe that would like tie into yeah, her story of Kelly, where she had to be like brave. Or but she's like, or she's, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, yeah, this just came to mind. Like, what if her magic, like she. Like, her sugar plum magic came through her dance. It would tie in together with, like, the ballet, and it would also, like, be a good signifying fire for her gaining her inner confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, the more she dances, the more her magical power awakens, and that sort of thing. And it's, like... Yeah, the thing is, like, there's almost, like, a few moments where, where, like, they could have done more of an arc with Clara, but Mm -hmm. it just, like, never happens. Because, like, she essentially... She sits there, she builds up the Nutcracker's confidence, tell him that he's a good boy, mm-hmm. you know, and she, mm-hmm. like, and she saves them once. But, like, you think that maybe with her thing where she's, like, not wanting to go home might be an arc they could have done. Yeah. Where she was, like, where she's going to be, like, well, um, the real world might not be as exciting as this, but it's, like, worth living it. And yeah, I can, like, like, no, oh, and no I can place apply- like home. And all yeah, that. and I can, like, apply what I live to the real world, but, like, she doesn't learn that lesson because she's like forcibly put back to the real yeah exactly world by an evil character yeah so. and and even and even with that she still gets everything that she wants yeah. essentially which is just the prince yeah the prince mm-hmm. which yeah I mean we talked a lot about in the video about how like these movies 
offered a good level of representation. I mean, sort of. Yeah. yeah. But I do stand by that. They do at least put some effort into making, like, Barbie be, like, a somewhat dynamic character. But it's, like, one of those things where, like, I'm sure maybe at the time, in the bygone eras of 2001, mm-hmm. this would have been seen as, like, something more progressive, like, especially it kinda, with... It felt like they were wanting to definitely do an empowering story, but they didn't really, like... They didn't, like, want to make Barbie fight people. So they were yeah, like, yeah. I feel that's. I feel like that's going to be a trend that's going to definitely yeah. change as time goes on. But yeah, that. But uh, with with a new imbued confidence, Kelly and Barbie flawlessly perform the sugar plum dance. Mm-hmm. No, no actual. It would have been funny if Kelly was just like Barbie. That didn't help at all. Like, <laughs> what the heck were you going with with that story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I already know the plot of the Nutcracker, Barbie. Like. <laughs> I'm performing in it. I need to know this story already. Yeah. But it's like, okay. But anyway, Kelly Kelly does the dance perfectly. And she's like, I did it. I did it. And Barbie's like, I always knew you could. As it ends on a weird looped animation of like her being held and then hugging. And then a, a, a shot where it looks like they rewound it back and forth to simulate them hugging in it. Yeah. I don't know, that was just like a weird, again, weird animation thing that I noticed, but... Mm-hmm. Eh, it was a sweet enough note to end up on, I guess, but... Yeah! So, I, I rate this uh, um, three nuts out of five. <laughs> was, oh, uh... given uh, mint and candy, they can have all <laughs> <No>! the <laughs> No! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, but yeah. the... Uh, we, we we refrained ourselves from making too many nut-based jokes. Yeah, I, oh, there was, all things considered, there was plenty of nut You know, humor. what What you didn't see in this movie? Not a single nut. They, they don't didn't even, get to have a chance that to, nut, like... The cracker does not crack any nuts. There is no nut present in this movie. Mm, total At disgrace. At least none that we see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah... This is our first, the first movie we've seen, but, like, yeah. after... It's the first movie I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> I'm basing all of our movies I've ever seen off this one. Oh, well, as your first movie experience, uh, do you think it holds up? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if I could possibly recommend it to someone, but I definitely think it's, like, you... I can see a young, a young child really enjoying this, mm-hmm. and it definitely does kind of evoke certain kind of cozy nutcrackery feels it's not like super christmasy yeah like they only really have like that in the beginning but the Mm -hmm. actual story it's pretty um... i mean that's kind of how the ballet is too but i still maintain that this is the most competent major nutcracker movie that they released which i feel like is a testament to the ways that hollywood is just somehow incapable of telling this story yeah, well, I don't think it's really a story that, like, leads it that well to, like, a big adaptation, you know? Mm. It's just kind of, like, simple in its execution. And trying to kind of epicify it kind of, I feel like, sort of misses, like, what people like about it. Yeah, because, like, I mean, the main appeal of it is the dancing. And, and even I... though this movie definitely kind of, like, heightens the stake, it's still, like, not so high stakes. Yeah, it's it still feels like, it feels like, uh... It has a good scale mm-hmm. about it, and it isn't, like, exactly something that feels too far out of the comprehension of children. Yeah. 
It was a bunch of moving collars moving around for an hour and 20 minutes, and sometimes that's just all you need. Yeah. Well, I feel like as we go on, there are probably going to be a lot of great improvements that are going to be made with this franchise. But until then, yeah, I think... It's a healthy start. Yeah, I do think so. I think if this movie wasn't as good as it was, they probably wouldn't have pursued as many, like, like direct-to-DVD movies. Like, this movie did really pave the way for a lot of, like, future movies, which... I'm more than certain will improve upon this in pretty much most ways. Yeah, so I guess uh, this is about as good a time as any to end it. Yeah, so uh, thank you all for listening to us. This is more or less going to be serving up as a pilot to the series. And with any, like, new project endeavor, like, your feedback is always going to be greatly appreciated. And we would love to hear what you thought about this show. Like, were there any parts that you think we could have focused less on? Do you think, like, we should keep the initial impressions before? Like, what sort of stuff Do would we you... need more nut jokes Yes, more nut jokes, less nut jokes. Do we really give just... A, give us a good nut ratio that you would want for... From nut to content ratio. Yep. And we'll apply it. Indeed. Is Emma, it... do you want to... I don't know if you want to plug any of your work, maybe at, like... What work? I just I just sit under a bridge all day. That's what <laughs> I do. And yeah, I write for a student newspaper, The Shield. It's good. Yay. We'll put links to that in the description. See any hot takes that you can offer us. Right. As for me, uh, you probably know who I am. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kathman Henry. There is a Tumblr that is serving as a unofficial portfolio of my work. Uh, that is still kind of being under construction, which unfortunately hit a snag now that, like, Tumblr is... Meh, Tumblr will never die. It's okay. <laughs> it's still gonna feel sad, though. But yeah, you could also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. And I'm not sure if we are going to be hosting this on Podbean or Libsynth. I don't think I'm going to be doing SoundCloud. Don't forget to rate us on those platforms, and hopefully we will also be having these posted on uh, the Google Play Store and Spotify and iTunes, but we'll keep you updated on that. And speaking of updates, if you want to be updated on everything going on within the Pink Isle, follow us on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod, where it will be pretty much the best way that you can get into contact with us. So, yeah, Emma... Thank you very much for doing this with me. Yeah. This is, a, this is fun. It was a fun time. I had, I had a good time talking about, about those Barbies. Yeah, it's surprisingly a lot to talk about. Nearly two hours from recording. We might edit some of that down. Yeah. But, but yeah, once again, uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be seeing you next time. Uh, what's the next Barbie movie that we're going to be seeing? Either Rapunzel or Swan Lake. Yep, uh, Rapunzel. Ooh. So, so yes, I definitely remember this one a lot. So. Well, we'll have more stuff to say about that next time. But until then, thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.